Welcome to the God is Not an Asshole podcast. If you are one of the many people done with religious dogmatism, hang on. You might sense transcendence, but your church or other faith community never seem to get off the ground. You realize that honoring your conscience means more than fitting in and keeping hard to explain rules? Hang on. You could probably think of the goodness in your tradition, and you tried your best to save that baby, but there's so much bathwater. Join your host, David Norman Moore Jr. in California and Carrie Connolly in New Jersey, who are collaborating to bring on guests who have found life on the other side of fundamentalism. Guests with stories of how they have liberated themselves from beliefs that divide us from each other. None of our guests' narratives are identical, but we hope you'll find something in common with each of them. We invite you to experience our common bond as we all inspire even more of us to embrace the true self. So I'm wearing this hat and I know somebody's going to ask, you know, what it means. And I don't know how to flip it, you know, to mirror. So it's, oh, so it says for M-A-L, M-A-L. And it's because uh, one of my sons uh, a while ago, one of one of his roommates, and his name is Matthew, too. Uh, he, uh, his roommate was struck and killed by a drunk driver and her name uh, was Mallory. And so that's why we have oh, hats like this. I love um, that. Thank you so much for telling us that. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm really important. glad you I'm really glad you described the story behind that, because I thought it was like some cool way of saying formal. Like you're going to a formal, and so right, <laughs> and yeah. so like, but um, yeah, and yeah. So I, Good uh, idea. I, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's certainly I. It, so, it's more touching and more beautiful the way you've told it. So. Yeah. So, um, Dave, uh, Matthew, we are. Well, we're just going to have a conversation today. Like, let mm-hmm. the combo conversation flow. We're already recording, but I just wanted to, um, just kind of, um say that the, the title of the podcast is God is not an asshole, right? So yeah. mm-hmm. um, we are going to be just talking a little bit about, you know, your experience with the assholey God and then how you <laughs> found the more loving God, um, yeah. if you did, right? So um, that's, that's <laughs> what we, you know, maybe you didn't, I don't know. But no, I th- no. I think some days did. I do, um, some days I do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some, some days, that's I think key, right? Okay, so, so. so let me just say this, uh, that, you know, kind of like a full disclosure thing. Uh, if I just, if I get weepy or something, it's not menopause or anything like that. It's uh, it's been a very tender time, you know. And uh, moving my mom out of her house to my sister's house and looking at pictures and all that. But this morning, uh, and, you know, unfortunately, I didn't order. In t- I didn't order a, a hard copy of any of your books, Matthew. Um, but I downloaded uh, "When God Made You" and listened to it. You know, uh, the audio audiobook. And so this morning when I went out for my walk, I was listening to your book and there's a school uh, five minutes away from here. And so I was walking and all of these kindergartners were, you know, filling the yard and, you know, with that noise that only kinder- kindergartners can make. And and I was listening to, you know, that poetic expression of affirmation of humanity for everybody and particularly for children. And I was just like, wow, this is so beautiful. And then something else happened. It was setting it up, setting me up because as I kept walking, these two women 
uh, were walking their dogs toward me. And um, I didn't know them. I had don't remember ever seeing them. But um, they acted like they knew me. And, um, you know, we, we greeted each other as we kept walking. And then they said, oh, um, we, we read your book. Okay, so I don't even know who these women are. And I don't know, you know, I guess I'm not that hard to recognize in Santa Barbara because of the demographic and all of that. But, um, <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and I said, oh, you've made my morning. And um, one of them said, you know, that do you ever meet people where just their presence gives you, gives you chills? And I said, yeah. And she said, every time I see you. Now, I don't remember ever seeing her, but she said, every time I see you, that's the feeling I get. And I just, uh, tears just, you know, started coming out because of the, I guess because, you know, I'm, I'm dealing, it's Black History Month, of course, and I'm dealing with the responsibility of addressing anti-Blackness publicly in our community, uh, called on to make speeches and that kind of thing. And it was heavy. And when they did that, what I appreciated, because there were white women, I appreciate, you know, whenever I see someone who's, who's spending the time and the energy and the work to expand, it's so healing for me. And so that's where I am meeting you today, Matthew. That's the place I'm coming mm. from. And uh, thank you so much for your affirmation of humanity. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for sharing that story. Like I, it's, it, it, I, uh, I, I actually did some, I, I, I did my research on you a little bit this morning too. So it was uh, fun to, to meet you via, you know, your online presence. And so thank you for those words. So. Well, I love you. The, um, yeah. So Matthew and I, I, David, I don't know if I ever, Aww. I I feel that the raw, the rawness that you're experiencing, David, and having been through the, the space that uh, with my mom that, you know, recently and my dad's passing a few years ago, I, I totally know what you're going through and it's real. It's real. Um, so David, I don't know if, if you know how Matthew and I met. Matthew and I actually met, I think the first time officially we, we met was in JFK airport when I walked up to all the cool kids that I was about to travel to the Middle East with. And I was terrified, but I was like, I knew them from the, because we were going on a press tour and uh, I recognized them because I had done all of my research and I walked up to them in the tape at the table and they were in some restaurant and I was just like, hi, we I'm, I'm we're, with the progressive. Having, we were having sushi. <laughs> yes, I'm like waiting to catch our flight to go to Jordan. And um, it was such an amazing, an amazing time together. And I had the incredible opportunity to get to know Matthew, who was not yet a children's author, I believe, correct? No, I was, uh, we did that in 2017. I had, I, I guess I had 16, 16. So we were a couple months shy of that first book coming out. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So the first book came okay, out. Okay. Quick, quick, quick question. I have, I have to ask quick. Sorry. Um, how was the sushi? <laughs> the, you don't remember. It was air, <laughs> it was airport sushi. So it was, it was okay. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it okay. hit the spot. Um, but I, <laughs> It was, uh, I, I'll tell you, it's funny because prior to meeting, uh, Carrie, I, um, I remember us all like sitting around thinking, 
she's the only person that nobody knows or we don't we've never none of us had ever met and how is she going to fit in with you know because like <laughs> it, we had our own little group and 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 it was like it's it, you know it couldn't have been a more perfect fit for what we were about to experience we had fun we laughed we cried oh my gosh we like so it was fun. a really so you know we had one of those like youth group mission trip experiences <laughs> where everyone becomes best friends for you know the whatever <laughs> however long <laughs> so yes but, and uh, we were and, we were like the progressive the progressives in the back of the bus right like the tattooed we, like the tatted up pierced <laughs> progressives in the back of the bus with all the like the there were the episcopalians and <laughs> So like they had all the, they had us separated by demographic and they'd all come up to us and they're like, what is a progressive Christian anyway? And we are like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. What are we? <laughs> I don't really know. So it was, it, so, it, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. So Matthew, you grew up in, with a history of God, in, with God, right? A, a relationship with God. So I, why don't we start yeah. off with that? Tell us a little bit about your, your relationship Absolutely. with God and how it started. Well, I mean, I don't remember a time when I didn't have some sort of reference to God in my life. Like it's just, it's all, mm -hmm. God has always been a presence in my story. I, um, when, when I was four years old, my parents um, decided to leave the Methodist church that we were attending. And we were one of the very first families to start this brand new Baptist church that was starting beginning in my small hometown. And it was, uh, it was an independent fundamental Baptist church that completely like our lives were completely changed almost not overnight, Man. but over a very short period of time. Um, you know, one Sunday it was fine for my mom and my sisters to dress however they wanted. And the next Sunday, it was no longer okay for them to wear certain clothes. Um, on one Sunday, it was fine for us to listen to the, whatever music we wanted to listen to. And the next Sunday, it was no longer okay to listen to that kind of music. Like it was a very, much an affecting all encompassing change in our story um wow and so i like i like you know and i because i was only four um i had a younger sister at the time or i had a younger sister as well so we kind of she and i i have two older sisters who were sort of um one only had one more year of high school at the time and then my uh, sister kelly had three or four years of high school left and so our family, because they uh, we had these older sisters, and then it was just Elizabeth and me. Um, we were kind of we we kind of always it was like we were two different families. Like we we were this one family, but we had two very different experiences. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, like I remember one of, one of my earliest memories in church was uh, you know going to junior church in second grade, and the. Uh, the, the 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 teacher or the preacher that morning used a Barbie to uh, to describe hell, and they set that Barbie on fire with a with a with a lighter. <laughs> and so, oh my god! <laughs> um, okay. Wow. So, so it's um, 
And so I didn't know you were going there. I had no (laughs) idea you were going. (laughs) That was not what I was. Yeah, no, that was that. You know, and and the and the preacher gave the gave the you know the Barbie a story. This is you know, she's got everything together. She's got kids and she's got a family and she's got the you know uh, the house and you know. But if she doesn't have Jesus, she's gonna burn in hell. And he like set the you know the Barbie on fire. And but like, what was more all encompassing than the church experience was um, a year after we switched churches, um, the the pastor started a school that was associated with the church. And the church was where we learned all of this stuff. And the school was where it was expected of, uh, out of us to behave a certain way. And if we... Like if we behaved any in any way, shape, or form outside of that, it was we we were punished at school, then mm. usually got punished at home, and so it was the the school was a was where like all of the things that we learned be, became um, a part of our stories, and it was a, like a daily thing. Um, and so I'm really I curious developed, about something. I developed. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, there's a no, weird delay, but no. I'm really curious about something in, in that, you know, I understanding the ways in which children kind of conflate our uh, relationships with our parents and our imagery of our parents with God, right? So very often the ways in which our parents talk to us and the w- end up becoming reflective of or kind of embedding in us our images of God, right? And vice versa, our images of God. So how do you think your relationship with your parents changed because of this? Do, do, do you have any concept of that? I know you were really young, but. Yeah. You know, um, I don't necessarily have a pre Baptist mindset mm-hmm. of wh- how my parents were. Now I was, I've been told that they were different and like they had a, there was a, like a certain aspect of their personalities that shifted. But like my mm-hmm. mom was a very anxious, like my mom was always really anxious and nervous and um, uh, always a little bit insecure about, you know, what was going on in her story. And, and so, you know, one of the things that I wrote in my, one of my memoirs is that independent fundamentalism fit my mom like a straight jacket was very much this this way of doing thing that allowed her the ability to um to function to feel mm-hmm. at ease as long as she was following the rules um mm-hmm. for me it 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 you know and i i i have very much a, a lot like my my mom's personality i became real anxious mm-hmm. i became like i like I remember having stomach issues as a kid, and just like that, those beginning, um, those beginning signs that I had a uh, was probably going to develop a <laughs> an anxiety issue. Um, mm-hmm. I was ADHD at the time, you know, as well, and but it was undiagnosed then. And so um, I was the kid out of all four of us. I was the kid who felt it. I mm-hmm. I experienced the the mood of how we interacted with god more than my mm. sisters did when was the first time you actually had a thought that if you remember where you go wow if 
if that's God, God's a little bit of an asshole. <laughs> well, I would never have used the word asshole until I was probably about 23. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> but... Yeah, but I, 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 you know what, Karen? I would never have had the freedom to say that God was like, an, and, and then put insert a negative modifier um, mm-hmm. until college. Um, and it, it was, it, and I, I, it was in college that I realized I was the ass. I was an asshole <laughs> because <laughs> I had been, I had, I had had this experience that I carried with me. And in college, I went to a community college in my little, and, and you know, like 30, 40 minutes away from my home. Um, and, you know, that was where I met my very first atheist. That was where I met my very first, you know, uh, friend who was a Democrat. And that was when I met, you know, somebody who, lo- you know, seemed to like love abortion and like all those things. And so like I attacked all like it was as if I was I I, I realized then that I, I didn't like who I was, be- who I had become or who I was. Um mm. And, the, you know, and I'll tell you, the people that I met, they had a whole hell of a lot more grace with me than I was capable of showing or giving in return. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, and, and the, thing, the thing about fundamentalism and cult-like behavior is you, unlike the switch from Methodist to Baptist, turning off fundamentalist fundamentalism in your head is a long exhausting slow change ever mm-hmm. like when i finally went away to college every single every single change or shift in my belief system became another argument or another layer of chaos between me and my family. Yep. I remember when I went to, I, I remember with, when I was 19, I went to see the very first movie in a theater. And Hi. I, um, I remember my mom, I remember my mom finding out. And you would have thought that I had been found, passed out on somebody's couch <laughs> with you know like doing lines of of cocaine <laughs> and you know and and <laughs> and yeah, you use that was my mom's that was how my mom reacted to me going to a theater and seeing a movie and it was there were tears involved and there were like numerous mm-hmm. phone calls back and forth from college to me and so it was this every change every step away it was this big dramatic thing. And so after a couple times when I was, you know, starting to like explore things that are outside of where, what I, you know, uh, what I was uh, accustomed to, I just started keeping it a secret from them. And so like Mm -hmm. you just developed this really good way of, um, of, of what they didn't know didn't hurt them, but it was hurting me. And, and so anyway, so I, it wasn't until I was probably in my third year of college where I would have been self-aware enough 
to be able to say that the God I met as a kid was an asshole. And that was like when the slow, again, you know, years would go by before I was able to realize the depth of my like experience with that God and how that God um, affected my story. I mean, it was like, it would be 10, 10, 12 years of just, you know, going through these various stages and thinking I'm free, you know, like literally I, I, (laughs) I went from a Baptist church, you know, go, and then I went to college and I, and I went through my, that was when I went through my Calvinist stage. (laughs) And so I, and I thought that was the free, I thought that was free. Like, I mean, I thought I was really, you know, what I felt yeah matthew i was gonna say that calvinism is kind of like a gateway drug (laughs) (laughs) that's so and that and i it's so i had my go ahead matthew oh no no i was just gonna say i i I, so i had this calvinist you know experimentation phase in, in in college that I, I often call it the experimentation phase, but I, you know, and then even then, even then, you know, I had just moved from fundamentalism to Calvinism. And I, I mean, my mom and my dad, like they, they had a, they, we had a sit down conversation when I went home for summer about, oh my gosh. you know, like you, you, you can't, you can't believe in that. You can't believe like you can't believe in predestination what in the world matthew but you know and so you just like it was like god was like always i loved god but my soul god was so frustrating god was so exhausting yeah Um, and it would be i guess maybe when in 2005 i think i really that was when i really started to shift um, in my thinking, in my understanding, in my politics, in my, you know, um, in my embracing of, of just freedom yeah. in go- inside the God story. So I want to go back, Matthew, uh, you mentioned, uh, and I'm going to ask you to explore this just for a moment, the grace that people had with you, because you reminded me uh, when we, 30 years ago almost, we moved here, and our next-door neighbor was a renowned geologist, emeritus department head at UC Santa Barbara of geology. And at that time, I was trying to to negotiate with him how Pangea could happen faster than, you know, moving the continents, moving out. You know, like it could have happened a lot fat, Like it could have happened in a thousand years, or, or I don't know. And he was so Dark. graceful to me. He even started coming to our, to our my small group, you know, and sang hymns that he knew back when he was, you know, a young kid. And I just thought, in retrospect, this guy could have just lambasted me, you know, but but he didn't. Uh, he was more Christ-like. So explore yeah. that grace factor. Well, it was it, when I it was in a statistics class, statistics one hundred and one that I sat. Somehow I ended up sitting in between um, an atheist and somebody who was voting for Clinton that year. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I 
I got to know them prior to knowing anything about like what their belief systems were. Like I got to know them as, you know, fellow students in this, you know, studying this class. And when I, I, I'll never forget the time when we were in between classes and I was standing out with them while, uh, while one of the, 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 while the, the girl was having a smoke break and I was just like listening to the story and I, and it's, we stumbled into this conversation about politics that ended up like, you know, showcasing not only was she a Democrat, uh, he was an atheist. And like you would have, it, it, for me, it was like I, it was like meeting somebody who didn't, didn't have, like, it was like me, meeting an alien to me, honestly, like somebody, <laughs> you know, a Martian. <laughs> And it was, um, so I remember being so, getting so worked up. How can you, be, now how can you not believe in God and having all of these things and, and being real reactionary and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and them being just like patient with me. And, you know, they, I think that they were a little bit older than I was. And so like, they just, um, they, it just did not have an impact on on them and I'll never forget going to school after Clinton won the presidency and the the girl looking at me and and, I, and me saying and, and me making a comment about how sad it was today and, and she was like you know what I bet you you're gonna be okay and you know what also all the women that I know they're gonna be better off yeah. because of what happened yeah. what we did yesterday and I just and she was not not heated or not um, it was, it was just sort of, she said her piece and like, didn't, didn't necessarily shame. She didn't, I never felt shamed by them. And in my mind, yeah. I was shaming them. Yeah. So what's, what's fascinating to me that I think, and I think your story really points to is the fear that is inherent in fundamentalism, right? Cause imagine how small a God must be if this would be a, a he god that that this god this male god right that that fundamentalists often believe in would be so small as to not be able to allow his beloved creation to go forth into creation for fear of what what would happen to you if you went to the movies right the the fear that's involved mm-hmm. in that and what actually in in truth points to a lack of faith in my opinion because you have to do all of this protection mm-hmm. and all of this, right. To, to, to protect your faith. How, how, what kind of faith is that? If it can't withstand a movie, <laughs> you know, like. Absolutely. Right. But it was also this, it showcased in us for being people who literally went to church three times a week. We, you know, we did all the things that tr- Christians were doing. Um, the singing in the choir, going to Sunday school, teaching Sunday school, participating in all the li- various things, and then also having you know go- graduating from a school. And I was, I you know, I I was uh, I had gotten the the most spiritual award the year that I graduated. I have a plaque, by the way, that says the <laughs> most spiritual. You didn't bring it, did you? But, mm. but for, <laughs> yeah, I didn't bring it. <laughs> but for being that kind of person, the amount of fear that I felt, the amount of worry 
that I felt mm-hmm. that like it was this um I've often said I've I, you know as I got older and had conversations with my family I I've often said like it will if if your faith is so strong if your faith is so present you've been doing this for almost 40 years why why do you need to control everything why do you have mm-hmm. to have why does your faith have to have this crazy effect on somebody else's life and mm-hmm. you know that's that's not that they don't know how to answer that yeah yeah I, i'm still struck with the idea um that you you have to in some cases you have to look outside of religion to find god's grace mm. <sighs> yeah it's a real thing and you, that's a real thing and, and and the time that it like the when I, if I would be, I'm embarrassed to admit how long it took me to actually be okay with that, David. Like I, mm. it just like it. That was the, it, like again, my I had so much fear of not only God, but more, more effectively in my life was I had a fear of my parents being disappointed in me. I had mm-hmm. a fear of people that I grew up with being disappointed in me. And like, so that it wasn't until I stopped caring about Mm. everybody else's feelings about Matthew, that I was able to get to a place where I could start to believe in a God that was outside, far outside, not just, not just a little bit different, but way outside the the mm-hmm. the the very small box that I had got in. I love that. I and so what I you know knowing all of that, I didn't know all of that about you before. And so hearing your story and how how really truly deep you were into a, what seems almost like you said cultish, right? This cult like type of fundamentalism is where you are now right? As a, a man who has, uh, you came out as a gay man, was it last year? Two years ago? Two years ago now? Two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. Wow. Two, so yeah. at some point, at some point you had a moment, I'm assuming where you said, oh, God is not an asshole. There's, there's maybe, maybe you didn't, but maybe yeah. you did. And so d- was there a day? Was there a moment in time? Was it a slow dawning? Didn't happen all at once? Like, what was that like for you when you said, wait, there's a God that loves me? Well, you know, I long, you know, like I said, it was like 2005, 2006 was when I really started to kind of ha- kind of do this deconstruction. It wasn't called de- deconstruction at the time. It was called the slippery mm-hmm. slope or whatever. And so I like, I really started to be, de- the road to hell. <laughs> I really started to break apart and not necessarily need every little thing to fit together. All right. And so it, I remember there being times when um, I, I was able to easily find the grace and find that, find that God who was not an asshole for other people. It was very much a different story for myself. Because if I was to identify mm. with this God not being an asshole, it would require me to hurt people in my own story. Mm. And I like I still get emotional about that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's 
I remember there being, you know, uh, David, you brought up when my, my, one of my children's books, when God made you, I remember the moment I wrote a line in that book. I, it was the part where it says you, you, when God sees you, God delights in who is and sees only what's true. That you, yes, you, in all of your glory, bring color and rhythm and rhyme to God's story. So be you, fully you, a show-stopping review. Live your life in full color, every tint, every hue. Discover, explore, have faith, but love more, and learn and relearn all that God made you for. And I remember writing that and just bursting into tears, and I could kind of burst into tears again because I thought, man, I hope every little gay kid in church can learn to love themselves, can see that God loves them just as they are, that I may never get to a place in my story where I am able to fully embrace myself, but man, if I can open a damn door for somebody else, like let that be. I remember hearing you talk about writing that book and you said that it was almost, you said something to the effect of, um, and when you were just reciting that, I had chills all up and down my body and tears in my eyes, just FYI, which is similar to the first time I read the book. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I remember you saying that it was almost like you were getting a love letter to yourself from God. You said that one time I, in something that I heard you when you were talking about that book. Yeah. What a beautiful, beautiful I, love letter. I, 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 I thought that I was writing the book for my kids or, or and I thought that I was writing that book to everybody else's kids, but it, 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 in reality, I was writing the book that I needed to hear myself. Um, yeah. and so, you know, I slowly over time, um, and then uh, over the, the, the course of a couple years after that book came out, um, I was able to find the love that I had given everybody else. Mm-hmm. I was able to start to discover that love for myself and, and I was able to come out and, and tell the world that I was gay. And it's, it's a wild experience to embrace God as your full self. It yes. is a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to come into God's presence and w- without shame, without all of the junk, like I, like, I don't care that my mom and my dad still don't approve of me. I don't, but that, they don't get to define God for me. Mm. And and that's a beautiful thing. Thank you so much for being here today. We are people who have left behind performance-based religion and the shame that comes with it. Maybe you have a personal liberation story to tell and we want to know about it. Please contact us on Twitter at God is not an asshole or text 805-703-8393 because the world needs to know that God is not an asshole.